Next, ReachMD presents this month's special series, Focus on Nutrition and Nutrition Science. As increasing evidence points to nutrition as a key factor in disease prevention and management, we're highlighting current topics, research, and best practices in the field. Does the word dash mean more to you than to run? Is Mediterranean a geographic area you visit or a lifestyle or nutrition program that you recommend to patients? You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Amy Handel, your host, and with me today is Ruth Frachman, a registered dietitian, a spokesperson for the American Dietetic Association, and a member of the advisory board for Clean Eating Magazine. Ms. Frachman also has a private practice in Burbank, California. We're continuing a discussion about nutrition and extending it to discuss specific diets that may benefit your patient population. Ruth, welcome to the show. It's my pleasure, Amy. So let's start with hypertension since it's a common disease that does affect a large part of the American population and it also relates to lifestyle choices. What should doctors be counseling their patients from a nutritional perspective when it comes to hypertension? First of all, a doctor should tell any patient with high blood pressure to see a registered dietitian. A registered dietitian is the best person to discuss nutrition. Simple diet and lifestyle changes can make a big difference. With the right nutrition information, some patients may be able to reduce the amount of medication that they're taking. When I see people with high blood pressure, I tell them to lose weight if they need to, to get at least 30 minutes of physical activity a day or more, and to follow the DASH diet, dietary approach to stop hypertension, which includes lots of fruits and vegetables amounting to about 4,700 milligrams of potassium. I tell them to limit their sodium to 1,500 milligrams, drink alcohol in moderation. That means no more than one drink a day for women and no more than two drinks a day for men. And finally, don't smoke. These changes can help people control their hypertension. That being said, it might be helpful for doctors to give their patients a printed booklet with high blood pressure guidelines. This would help patients understand why it's necessary to control high blood pressure and why they should make lifestyle changes. A brief handout containing high salty food culprits would also be helpful. A lot of people don't realize that most sodium doesn't come from the salt shaker. High sodium foods include canned foods such as soup, frozen foods, processed foods such as pickles and soy sauce, and restaurant foods, and that includes fast food. Sausage, ham, bacon, and other processed foods and meats, cheese, and salted nuts are foods that also tend to be high in sodium. Now, some people are what is called salt-sensitive. Why don't you just highlight that particular situation, and if there are additional guidelines that we would have to apply to those patients, then please share those with us. If there are some people who are salt-sensitive, and if they are, they can limit their sodium to 1,500 milligrams a day. Most people are getting about 4,000 milligrams a day. A regular person really should get about... 23, 2400 milligrams. So if a person is salt sensitive, they can limit their sodium to 1500 milligrams a day. And people, if they aren't already, need to read and get used to reading food labels to limit the amount of sodium that they're eating and also to not eat out as much because restaurant food does have a lot of salt. 
Now, heart disease can often appear hand in hand with hypertension. Hypertension can lead into heart disease, but heart disease can also occur separate from hypertension. If we're talking about heart disease and hypertension together, what additional food nutrition guidelines would you make as a recommendation that doctors can offer their patients? First of all, I would say lose weight and then see a registered dietitian. But specifically, in addition to watching sodium, people should limit the amounts of unhealthy fats, such as saturated fats, trans fats, and limit the amount of cholesterol. They should focus on eating healthy monounsaturated fats and get enough omega-3 fatty acids from salmon, tuna, or other fatty fish. If a doctor wants to go into more detail, whole grains and fiber reduce the risk of heart disease. Studies show that men who get 35 grams of fiber a day have fewer heart attacks. A person can get more fiber in their diet by consuming lots of fruits and vegetables. To reduce the saturated fat, people can choose fat-free or 1% dairy products. And again, it's always important to read food labels and check the serving sizes and calories per serving. These guidelines are similar to the Mediterranean diet, which is heart-healthy. And certainly we are hearing a lot about that diet out in the world of dietary discussions and lifestyle discussions. So why don't you start us off on just a brief overview of the Mediterranean diet? Okay. The Mediterranean diet emphasizes fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, and lentils, fish at least two times a week, skinless poultry, eggs, low-fat dairy, nuts, seeds, olive oil, and herbs and spices. Eat red meat sparingly and limit soda and sweetened drinks. Water is the preferred beverage as a fluid instead of high-calorie fluids. Basically, the meals are low in fat and high in fiber. Cheese is included in the Mediterranean diet, but they don't eat an awful lot of cheese. Is that correct? That's correct. And if you are eating cheese, it would be better to choose a low-fat cheese since cheese tends to be high in saturated fat. For those of you just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Amy Hendel, and I'm speaking today with Ruth Frechman, a registered dietitian and a spokesperson for the American Dietetic Association. We're discussing nutrition and specific diet plans that can help patients with specific medical conditions. Ruth, wine is also a feature of the Mediterranean diet. Can you go over the consensus on how much wine is helpful in a daily eating program? Yes. Wine is allowed on the Mediterranean diet, but in moderation. According to the Mediterranean diet, no more than two five-ounce glasses for men and no more than one glass a day for women. It's pretty much the same as our guidelines for alcohol. And there is another population out there, the Seventh-day Adventists, and they seem to have certain lifestyle habits that help them not only reduce the risk of disease, but also even prolong life. Do you know any of the habits that they're engaging in that, again, might alert physicians to recommendations they could be making to patients? The Seventh-day Adventist diet is a vegetarian diet, so it's low in saturated fat and includes lots of fruits and vegetables and whole grains. In the Seventh-day Adventist diet, alcohol is not allowed, and it's more of a lifestyle 
besides being vegetarian. It, physical activity is part of the healthy lifestyle, and this also helps to reduce stress. Again, when it comes to stress, many patients are inspired to be eating more than they should. Do you think that talking about stress as it relates to eating might also be something that a physician needs to cover with their patients? I think with today's society, stress is a big issue, and a lot of people are eating for stress, which means they're eating when they're not hungry, which means they're gaining weight because of the stress, because they're eating so much. Stress should be included in all discussions and how to reduce the stress. That's why worksite programs or even stress-reducing programs involved with a doctor's office would be very beneficial for most people. And we covered earlier the fact that doctors still have some ways to go in their medical school training with regards to exposure to actual nutrition education, though certainly strides are being made in that. Do you think that the average doctor is seeing a patient who needs nutritional counseling, and are they taking care of that? I think that some doctors know more about nutrition than others, and I think think that most doctors don't know as much about nutrition as registered dietitians. So I think that if they are comfortable talking about nutrition, they can. Otherwise, they should probably refer their patients to a registered dietitian. And again, we're also talking about the fact that obvious patients clearly need referrals to a dietitian. Can you talk to me a little bit about the great strides that could be made if doctors really sent the patient at risk or the patient who's leaning towards disease rather than when disease is already fulminantly there and how seeing a dietitian might benefit risk reduction? I'm seeing more and more physicians referring clients for me, to see a dietitian as part of prevention goes, because almost every single disease is diet-related. Prediabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, excess weight, which leads to these health problems. So almost any health problem can be prevented or delayed with good nutrition education. And once people come see me, they're so glad and they wish they had seen me earlier. They just don't know what to do, and they just tend to go along with their old habits. So just if more people could see a registered dietitian, I think that it would prevent a lot of health problems. How do you counsel a doctor who is struggling to work with patients who keep coming in with the next trendy diet or the next miracle answer for their weight or are watching The Biggest Loser, a show that really emphasizes dramatic weight loss through rather dangerous habit changes or rather quick habit changes? How do you counsel a doctor to deal with the patients who are coming in with those kind of desires? Once I get the referral, usually I tell the people what they need to do. It's all about lifestyle. Some doctors promote high-protein diets. Um, that's because they're not as proficient or knowledgeable in nutrition. So once the doctor is referring their patients to see the registered dietitian and they're starting to see the results in their patients, then they get on board better. They are more willing to believe and trust a registered dietitian because they're seeing the actual results. And that's why more people need to focus on lifestyle changes rather than believe in these fad diets that come and go.
And currently, where are we with regards to progress being made in the statistics of obesity and weight as they relate to health conditions? The good news is that the levels of obesity seem to be leveling off in kids. However, with one in five kids being obese, some of these kids are going to develop major health problems at a younger age. The rate of type 2 diabetes is rising at an alarming rate right now for adults. Doctors need to take that proactive role and refer their, again, patients to see a registered dietitian before they get the high blood pressure, elevated cholesterol, or elevated blood sugar. If the doctor doesn't work with a registered dietitian, the patient can find the RD near them by going, again, to the website, eatright.org. Doctors, dietitians, and other members of the health team should work together to improve the health of their patients. So just to emphasize that final comment you made, you really, as a dietitian, encourage physicians to adopt a team approach, and I gather by that comment, you might even include fitness professionals or some kind of person who can work one-on-one with the patient on their fitness goals as well. I do. I agree. Everyone needs to work together with their eating habits, trying to get people to be more physically active and become fit. All of these things are important to help the health of the patient, which will be a lot cheaper in the long run and reduce their health problems as well. And a final question, are you finding that health insurance plans are now covering the cost of a dietitian, particularly if a doctor refers a patient? They are more and more. Not all insurance companies cover the services of a registered dietitian, except if they have diabetes or renal problems. But I'm finding that there are more and more every day that are willing to cover our services because they're seeing that it's beneficial. My thanks to Ms. Ruth Frechman, who's been our guest, for the nutrition insights she's offered today in our discussion about diets and health. I'm Amy Hendel, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, featuring podcasts of this and other featured series. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Nutrition and Nutrition Science. For downloadable podcasts of programs in this series, go to ReachMD.com and choose the series Focus on Nutrition and Nutrition Science.